Hey, what's up, guys? We had Sean Davidson and McKay Nilsson on this episode to talk about art direction, photography, and just telling the story of your design. Um, it was great. I do want to get to a few announcements. Our first one, special announcement, we are doing a meetup in New York, and that is going to be, if, if you're listening to this in a timely manner, that's going to be this Thursday, December 12th at Spritzen House 33 at 8 p.m. Uh, the info is on our Instagram, so you can check that out. We also like to thank our promotional partner at Let's Design Daily. They post amazing design work from creatives across the world. And we are still doing the Minor Details podcast survey. So go and give us your feedback on the podcast. We will be announcing the winner soon on the season finale this year. And also join the Discord. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your tips and tricks on getting the right photo and telling the story of your designs. And I think there might be one or two expletives in this episode, but other than that, let's get to it. James, I'm McKay, and I'm Sean, and we are four industrial designers in the big city, <laughs> sweating the small stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming in today. This is our first debut of four microphones running at once. We're hitting hot. <laughs> <laughs> We're super excited to have Sean Davidson and McKay Nielsen on the podcast this week, and you know we want to get into a little bit of your background before we get into it. Um, but you know we really admire you guys eye for mm. good photography and art direction and as well as design so that's kind of the the episode but i want to hear a little bit about your backstory for those that might not be as familiar with your work um so yeah mckay tell us tell us a little bit about yourself like how you got into design where you worked so i actually started studying engineering i grew up building things making things with my dad and kind of wanted to go into mechanical engineering but then as i was in school for that i kind of learned that I really liked art and was really interested in that and wanted to combine those two things. And so I went into architecture school for about a year. And then after that, ended up in a multidisciplinary design program at the University of Utah. And so from there, I kind of like learned about all the different areas of design and carried that into working as an industrial designer. And so I've worked in like museums, designing exhibits. I've worked designing products, like very traditional industrial design. And currently I work in an agency called Schoolhouse where I work on architectural elements for retail spaces, as well as designing products for the beauty industry. That wow. seems like a good range. That, that was <laughs> engineering, <a> beautiful <laughs> architecture, <laughs> and now industrial design, and now space, spatial design, I guess? Spatial space. design. Space spatial X. design in space. Space design. How do you create space mm. in space, McKay? Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, but you, you started out in Utah. You're from Utah. And yeah, you just, Salt Lake City. And you also... For everyone that's listening, you also moved to New York pretty recently. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. So that's that's great. It's great to have you here. I know you, that you're pretty big in the Instagram community, so we're all kind of connected there. Yeah, McKay invited us out on a date when he first arrived. Dude date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, a good old Instagram sketch date, you know. Yeah, it was, it was great. So. And the rest is history. It is. It'll Yeah, the rest will be in your memoir. <laughs> So, Sean, let's let's hear a little bit about your backstory. All right. Uh, I'm from North Carolina. I 
North Carolina boys repping. Uh, hard. As hard as we possibly can. <laughs> without being too weird. Outer Banks. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, went to design camp in high school. It was a uh, camp at NC State. And I was able to spend a week uh, learning different processes of graphic design, architecture, um, industrial design. And... Um, yeah, and I actually really liked graphic design the most because they had us on a project which is literally forming blue foam into a guitar, and I didn't love it. And I was like, graphic design is so much smoother. It's so much easier. It's, I like this. It's nice for me. Not messy. I guess about a year later, I forgot about all that. I went to Appalachian State and studied industrial design. Um, and ever since, I've been... Uh, which was in Boone, North Carolina. I moved up to New York about four years ago. Started working for a toy company. I was um, a junior industrial designer there for about a year and a half. Worked on an array of products, some furniture for kids, mostly in the educational space. Um, and then I started doing um, kind of design direction for this brand. And that was um, children's toys, teaching them about emotions. Mm. Um, then started getting to in a, a digital platform, started designing UI UX for that, which was obviously outside of my realm, but still did it because that's what they do to you when you're in a junior position. They just tell you to go do something. And you right. do it. And you do it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it was a great experience. No, like, I can't believe you did it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, you had no life for a while. Cool. Um, now we'll start paying you. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> so uh, after about a year and a half of that, I was living in New Jersey at the time, uh, commuting up to um, Hudson Valley and Tuxedo Park. Mm-hmm. Living in New York City on the weekends, living a split life, didn't love it. Moved into Brooklyn about three years ago. Um, started working um, for a um, small architectural rendering studio, kind of doing creative direction, and then also working at a small, like luxury, small design shop, doing furniture and lighting. Um, that was called Coil and Drift, um, and I was kind of doing everything technical, so doing all the CAD models, doing all the graphics, do all the photos, retouching. Um, did that for about a year and a half and then moved on to a company called Innovant where I was designing desk systems, had adjustable desk systems for open offices, mostly financial clients. And just recently, uh, this Monday started a new job at a company called Best Made where I'm an industrial designer once again, um, designing hard goods for everyday living. Can't get away from it. Um, beyond that, my secondary background is photography, which I've, um, been doing since I was maybe 12 years old. My dad handed me a camera, fell in love with the process so quick, uh, grew up with ADD. So, you know, <laughs> focusing on one thing for a long time was super difficult. So photography was instantaneous. You could, well, someone was shooting film, so it really wasn't. Um, it took about three years to finally get a digital camera. Um, but during that time I was shooting skateboarding, snowboarding, um, a lot of portraits for MySpace. Because that's what you do when you're the only kid with the camera, and what? that's when that's the thing that you do. Was this like what what's my space? This would no. This was yeah around 2008. I was a, like a freshman in high school. Okay. Um, so I lived in Winston Salem, North Carolina. There was a big music scene there. Sort of doing oh. some band photography. So you weren't. It wasn't just like somebody from your school being like. No, it was all my friends. Photos make me look hot. It was like. MySpace. I mean, it kind of was, but it was my <laughs> friends, and also I was kind of the one wanting to do it because right. I wanted to mm-hmm. shoot and I enjoyed the process and yeah. making portraits and like 
not being weird about it and like trying to find an avenue for right. when you're like a weird awkward kid you know mm. like it's just you and your buds so you're just taking pictures of them and uh like researching a ton about like how do you use flashes and going on ebay and buying like crappy five dollar radio slaves that work about two percent of the time um that was my background basically just we're, making we're it work going off the hill here. i don't <laughs> even know what a radio make, slave is what is just this making it work yeah it's like so uh head. ever since then Didn't we but... fight a war over that i don't know Never... probably yeah I don't so know. are you doing tiktok portraits now tiktok uh, not yet no, no. <laughs> we've got <laughs> space straight to tiktok or everything else so I, I also i can't i'm trying to recall where we met sean i believe it was again instagram just instagram yeah and we realized that we had so much in common that we we're the same person. We actually. are the same human. Yeah. North Carolina yeah. boys, industrial design boys, you know, it was like, like the same music. Check, check, it's check. all the same. Um, so yeah, we connected when we moved, to, when I moved up to New York. Um, and yeah, been hanging out since. Yeah. And since then I've been doing a lot of photo on the side as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've done photography for all three of us. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> um, so yeah. Is it time to get into it? I think I think it's time to get into it. There were some things, you know, with each of those stories where I feel like we can sort of dive into it. Yeah. I think generally the the reason we wanted to bring both you guys on is as industrial designers, we're always thinking about product design and trying to craft the best user experience and, you know, create the most beautiful product we can. And we oftentimes forget how to present our products. Right? Like we we have a finished thing. Maybe we even got it to the final manufacturing stage. We shipped it. But now you just have a, a plastic thing sitting on your desk or whatever it is, right? It's like, yeah. okay, now I need to show this to the world. How do you do that? And I guess that is a lot of times photography. Right. Sometimes, I mean, now it's a lot of rendering as well. Maybe we can get into that mm. later. But, you know, as designers, I feel like I'm not the best photographer. I can get by with my phone, but I, I don't know. I, I always call on you guys for the final stuff. So, um, I know you guys, we kind of want to talk a little bit about art direction. So first of all, I just want to hear what you guys explain what art direction is. Cause I'm not really even hundred percent sure. Um, I think it's kind of, it's thinking about how you want to tell the story of a project or a product. Okay. And really going, it's, I mean, ultimately, it's creating the look and the feel and the story behind all of the imagery that's associated with the product or any sort of campaign mm -hmm. and kind of deciding how you want to tell that story through images. Yeah. Because I like maybe it's like how emotion <clears throat> conveys. Right. Because I remember when, you know, when we first met McKay and I was sort of talking to you about your process, you talked a lot about writing in your process and that like exposing a lot of things on how you would display an object, how you would depict an object. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what the easiest, the easiest thing to do is just to take a picture of a product, highlight its special curves or fillets or whatever you think is special about that product. product. But that, at the end of the day, that's not what is going to resonate with people and what's going to make them feel something or even want to hire you in sort of an application process. Mm -hmm. And so usually what I do whenever, even when I'm just starting a project is I start to write about it and think about what is the story behind this that is going to make people care? Mm. Like what, what's gonna resonate with people, what's gonna make them feel something or want to use this every day in their lives. And so I 
often spend a lot of time like thinking about the brief and thinking about before I even put pen to paper to start sketching, like what, what's going to drive this process. Mm. So you, you already think about how you're going to convey the story before you even start the product. I mean, I guess that's logical, but not necessarily like what the final images or anything will look like, right. but more it's in the beginning, I would say it's the story of how, who is the person that's going to use this and how are they going to use it and mm. what, what is it going to mean to them? I and see. how, how specific do you get in terms <laughs> of that person? In terms of that person, do they have a name. Yeah. Are you writing like, down this, like are you, long tail? Are you literally writing a story like beginning, middle, end? Mark Twain. Or is it kind of snapshots, or how does it? Uh, it really depends on what I'm designing. Sometimes, for example, with the beauty projects we do at Schoolhouse, we a lot of times we have very specific customers or clientele in mind that we want to design that experience for, and so with that, it's very easy to like try to get in the mindset of this person and think about what they need, what they need to feel while they're shopping. And so in that, in those cases, I do tailor it to like a very specific person. It's not so much writing like a, a creative writing story. Mm-hmm. It's more just like thinking about the, the user, user journey or user experience. But when I'm designing more for like with the lamp I designed for Gantry a little while ago, that was, I kind of felt like I was the user for that. And like, it was more just about people in general. And so for that one, I want to, just think about general human emotions, how we interact with the world around us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and I feel like this is actually a good a good point to bring both of you in on because cause you, Sean, did the photography for mm-hmm. this project for the, the gantry lamp that McKay designed. And so what was that process like working together? You know, was it this joint thing of hey, like, what is the art direction for this piece? Or McKay, did you have, like, a vision in mind? And how did that exactly work out, that collaboration? So for to give a little background on this project, yeah. the concept of the lamp, I started by just, like, ma- pacing together um, pipe, paper, cardboard, and making these really rough prototypes. And through doing that, I kind of found this one form that I recognized uh, a gesture in that seemed familiar. And it... I, after examining a little bit and writing about it, like I, I realized that this was the gesture of one person giving something to another, mm. kind of characterized by this bowed head and like the, a base that has this open vessel in it. Right. And so that kind of became the underpinning for that story. And that's kind of, in this case, I did a little bit of a reverse process where I was just making forms, exploring functions. And then the story kind of came out of that. Mm. And so then I, I carried into that writing phase we were talking about and kind of wrote the story about how this is like a companion that is it helps you it provides this useful utility of storage and light yeah but it also is a friend and has like these these soft curves these very emotional right. underpinnings that feel familiar and comfortable right i i i do want to say i really like the fact that we that you highlighted that the form came first and then the story second because mm-hmm. i think a lot of people get tripped up in sometimes thinking that there has to be the story first there has to be the reason first and then then you do the form but it's like you said it's ambiguous sometimes it's vice versa maybe sometimes it is a form exploration and you come up and you you kind of discover it as you go yeah and it's never like it's never a linear process like the the very initial thoughts behind this were that i wanted to create something that was more an interaction that was deeper than just flipping a switch to turn a lamp on Mm -hmm. and so i just had this very broad idea that i wanted to create something that was a little bit more interactive and that's where i began this form exploration 
and then take a step back and carry deeper into that story. Yeah. And, and the base has that little like uh, cup. So it's kind of even uh, yeah. strengthens that idea of like giving, giving something to someone. Yeah. And so that is kind of the point where after I designed this, it kind of had this personality around it. And that's what me and Sean really want to carry through in these images, like the, the very soft, familiar aspects of this that makes it feel like it's it's a friend not just an object yeah so i'm interested to hear from sean like when mckay talked to you about this like what did he say to you and then how did you interpret that and then you know like yeah mostly just starting with references yeah you know it's like what are you looking at that you're interested in <clears throat> what do you think backs that narrative up obviously for this you're not going to use like a Terry Richardson bright flash on it mm. because that is wait we got we got slow down Sean <laughs> what is a Terry Richardson <laughs> Terry Richardson is a very controversial photographer from early I don't know uh, he has shot a lot of model photography he's like a oh, character very very flash but, heavy yeah but, Cyrus, the... okay yeah but he kind of brought this bright flash back into popularity interesting um, along with some other photographers as well. But like right. recently, even I've seen a Nordstrom advertisement re like just today on subways using bright flash. Right. And it's like, it is very much. It's very bold. Yeah. it's And it's very much currently what a lot of art directors and creative directors are referencing because it is just what people are doing. I mean, there's a lot well, of, it's kind of this, hard like, shadows. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like this scaled back, like we reach this age with Instagram and Squarespace where everything is just polished and perfect. And so it's kind of striking that, that chord in society where people are wanting to pull back from that perfectionism. Mm. Yeah. Because it's kind of like really crisp and like defined. Honest. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Anyways, coming back to the softness of... Yeah, yeah shooting um the gantry lamp uh mckay just kind of gave me a few reference points and we just very much played it by ear like he knew that he wanted to include um some certain objects in the scene um so he gathered those and then on the day of the shoot we just kind of played by ear we like knew generally what the setup was going to be so we just i just set up lighting we shot we messed around played around just kind of trying to massage the visual into what we wanted it to be yeah um, and that's kind of how it goes for a lot of my direction as well working with clients and it's like and generally that's how a lot of my friends work as well is especially in new york it's photography comes in the tail end of so many projects no one has a budget for it right no one really has an idea of what they want um, they just generally know, oh, I saw this, I like this, mm. let's kind of emulate that. Okay. And, and that's, I kind of think, the current status of uh, maybe like lower-end photo projects for, for clients. <laughs> I mean, it's always going to be like the $100,000 five-day shoots that happen that people are really putting out magical things um, right. that have massive teams working on them for. But, um, yeah, I would say like just playing by ear is kind of how our, our process went. Yeah. yeah. I oh. mean, it, I think the result was really nice. Obviously, you did play up the softness. You have curtains in the background of this Velvet. This lamp. Right. Velvet curtains? Velvet. Oh. And uh, some flowers. And so it does really lend itself to kind of the curvaceous and soft nature of the lamp. How many photos did you take during this photo shoot? 
These are the only ones. <laughs> four We've only got four <laughs> shots of this. But even going beyond just the propping or the styling of these these sets, you can tell that Sean paid very close attention to detail. And there were things like, if you look closely at the the photos, you can see he used a very soft focus. So you don't get any like really crisp, hard edges, even where in reality they are. What does a soft focus mean? So a soft focus... Sean, you should well, I, I think what McKay is saying is that uh, with lenses, there is an aperture, right? Yeah. yeah. And the numbers start small, 1.4 up to f22. Mm-hmm. And when you shoot at a wider aperture, it's only going to have, it's a focal plane that's very shallow. Right. So it's going to have a lot of things thrown out blurred of focus, out. blurred out. Depth of field. F22, you can shoot, it's usually what you shoot if you shoot a landscape. So everything is in focus. Mm. Um, so for this, I mean, typically in the studio, you're shooting f8 and you're shooting with flashes so everything is kind of controlled so you have a larger um depth of field things more things are in focus so i think that's what i shot for this was like um f8 which is a very just normal depth of field yeah yeah but you didn't answer my question how many photos i just want (laughs) to know because i feel like it is an important question because i feel like there's a lot of people myself included that would feel a lot of pressure to to be able to like get that shot in a certain amount of time like like i i feel like for those more you know anxious designers that are like i don't know how long this is supposed to take like i don't you... know how long a professional would take to set this up <laughs> to like really get the good shots and how do you mm-hmm. know which photos to get and how and which if you got the photos or not, like it's just, I have an object here. Yeah. Do I put it on its side? Like what? <laughs> like, I, I, don't know. I guess I take photos of every side of it, but like, I don't know. How do you brainstorm? Yeah. That? I mean, I think you always want to have a game plan going into it. You okay. want to have, you, you want to know if you like have your shooting for web, you want them all in white on seamless, just product shots. But then if you're shooting something more composed, more of a scene, it's all about feeling like does it feel right is this mm. what i is this the image that i have in my head yeah right. um as far as sh- like how many images i shot that day we shot a, a number of different products in over a day so I maybe shot 600 over the whole day but for just the lamp maybe 150 okay um through different scenes different scenarios but like I probably shoot five to six testing lighting mm. just to like, I mean, generally, you know, if you want soft lighting, you have to use certain modifiers. Okay. You can't just aim a flash at it and it's just going to be what you want. You've got to balance the light. You've got to put a soft box on it. You've got to put a beauty dish on it. There's oh, different, yeah, there's <laughs> different modifiers that you use to get a different look. So right. it's not really about how many pictures you take. It's right. just, you, you, you should... I mean, if you're if you're experimenting, it could take a million, you know. Right. And it's part of a process. It's just like it's you're building on previous experiences and using knowledge that you have. Right. Well, I, and what, yeah. One of the methods we use with this is like we had Sean's camera tethered to my computer off to the side, and so we were looking at every single shot on a big screen, oh, blown okay. up. Okay. Mm. And the entire time I was I was looking at that, giving him feedback, he would look at it, and making slight adjustments to the props or just kind of fine-tuning that way, trying to get the right shot. Right. As well as one of the techniques we used on some of these shots, you can see there's kind of an iridescent coloring in the lighting. Yeah. 
so we experimented had, quite a lot on that yeah so yeah. i mean the, the most successful shoots i've had and the most fun ones are the ones where i've had lots of materials just out there to play with props any mm -hmm. kinds of things and i had these iridescent films and so we started holding those in front of the flash and we really liked the effect it gave and we probably shot maybe 50 photos just trying to get a bunch the of different light. variations yeah. of this okay this flash going through this iridescent film right yeah. it's like it's like the instagram filter that has like the <clears throat> rainbow across your eye you know what i'm talking about basically yeah, yeah. it's exactly <laughs> that and the result of that is these these images where the lighting doesn't look it looks very dreamy and like surreal right right and, and it, add, it adds to the softness of it exactly yeah, yeah. But I, the reason that I like to get into these kind of details is because I feel like it's it's akin to uh, a design student seeing all those crappy models and all those yeah, for like sure. thumbnail sketches. Mm -hmm. It's just like knowing how much actual yeah. like work went behind these four beautiful images yeah. is like 150 pictures. Like okay, like I I feel relieved by that. Like I can yeah. feel the relief to experiment yeah. to to really test things out and not feel like I have to get that perfect shot in like Absolutely. a certain amount of time yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. I think maybe something else I kind of wanted to talk about, and you started to touch on it a little bit, Sean, is, is around the importance of good photography. I feel like, kind of like what you said, Sean, earlier, it's like, the product photography is kind of this last thing that you think about. You know, you, you finish your thing, you're like, oh, crap, we should probably get some photos of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and especially younger designers, maybe in design school, or even, you know, people that maybe work for a company that doesn't value product photography as much. Like, how can we in, instill the value of that? And, like, what, why is product photography valuable? And I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. So... I, the school that I came out of, University of Utah, didn't even have an industrial design program. And so that's why I was in this multidisciplinary design program. Right. Yeah. You meant, so what does that even mean? Multi, like it, just design in general? It's a great question. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I joined the program, it there, there wasn't even a graduating class yet. It was the second year of it. And so I was in the second graduating class. And so it was very experimental. It was like a choose your own adventure book for college. Okay. Essentially Interesting. like the liberal arts design degree. Okay. Um, and so when I, I came out of that, I didn't really have any hard skills. I didn't have a lot of skills that other industrial design graduates were coming out of school with. And so I had to think about, I had to find a way to make myself stand out among this crowd of people who had like these names that they'd interned with and things like that. And so for me, that was kind of where I really came to understand the importance of that, of okay. communicating your work in a way that's really going to resonate with people. Mm. So, so this multidisciplinary program almost instilled that essence of like hey there's there's this other kind of side of conveying your idea that yeah. a lot of industrial designers aren't doing but you had that kind of edge that you were able to yeah like a lot of exercise. what we focused on was the very holistic aspects of design of the storytelling the right. research the the user journey yeah i can see how that plays into it i don't know what do you, what do you think sean like man how do you instill like <laughs> I, I good almost, design values in a large co company or company in general anyways. Like, right. I mean, I'm, the, I guess I'm not It's a million dollar question. I'm not, I'm not asking <laughs> that of you, but like for, in my opinion, I almost think that the photography itself is 90% of the design. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause here, here's, here's a, here's a hot take. You ready? I know there's, there's a lot of designers out there and something like even design studios that will 
just make a simple geometric shape, like extrude a slot shape, take a really hot photo of it and call it a day. And like, we did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I feel like it, it's just so funny that the way you present it with a photograph makes the whole design yeah, because so. it's really just that simple. Like, it's hey, all I just, about appeal. Yeah. You know, you just have to make something different or even just glamorous feeling or just like catch someone's eye you just got to catch them for more than a split second and you've done your job i also yeah i i definitely agree because we live in a day and age and whether you whether you agree with this or not we live in a digital world like photos are the representation even of the paper product. Flipping through yeah. a book in a bookstore. That's true. If the cover doesn't catch your attention, you're yeah. not going to look at it. Yeah. If you're flipping through it and you don't catch five pages that are like, oh, this is worth my time, you're not going to look at it. Yeah. You're I mean, not going to buy it. And, and I even think we aren't even touching. Like, when's the last time you bought a product that you picked up in a store? Like, it's probably rarely. You probably picked it up in the store and you're like, uh, I'll just figure it out. On, Check the price online. on Amazon. Or yeah, yeah. when's the last time you bought a product that you like hadn't even heard of or like especially in a store? You wouldn't, like oh, yeah, no, yeah. One, no one picks up products, well, at least not in New York City, that you're like, walk into a store and you're like, wow, I've never seen this. You're like, right. oh, I saw this on Instagram. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this is something <laughs> that I've better. really That's true. seen That's in, interesting the, too. in the beauty industry, especially like, all the products are essentially, they're the same formulations, more or less. They're the same exact products rewrapped every season in new colors or whatever. And so like, what's going to make you buy a, a Gucci lipstick versus a YSL lipstick? It's like <laughs> probably just namesake, probably just, you um, know, heritage. And a lot of it comes down to the, the art direction, the campaigns, the stories they tell around these products, yeah. the way they show imagery that says like, an, an image that conveys you're going to feel this way if you wear this product. I feel like that's starting to even get into like branding in a way, right? It is. It's all it's very connected. Oh, it's man. all under creative, you know. That's true. That's true. Like at Schoolhouse, we do branding and art direction kind of run the full gamut of design services. And when we brand a company, we, we include style guides for their art direction. Yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense to do the whole thing holistically. Mm-hmm. I've even I, I've even had potential clients where they ask me for a product design and I look at their website and I say, hey, guys, you already have products that you're selling <laughs> and you just don't have a great website. You don't have a good like you don't have a good representation of your products. I would I, I mean, I even say this like this is obviously not a good like business strategy, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm just I just want to help the people out. And it's like, hey, take good use the money that you're going to pay me for a new product Take that money and go get some good photography done. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm a big photography <laughs> supporter. I, I mean, sorry, I know, I'm geeking out. I just, it's, it's just because like. Do you have a bumper sticker? Yeah, I, I support photographers. <laughs> I, you know, in school, I did have a lot of photography friends, which was great, and I definitely suggest that if anyone out there is listening, like find someone that does great photography and just be friends with them and you know see if you guys can collaborate use them for free portfolio photos <laughs> right, exactly. right, right. um but yeah i mean i've always tried to get photography of all my products in my portfolio i rarely have any renders i think that's changing nowadays though mm-hmm. like i want to hear you guys thoughts on it like keyshot and a lot of these rendering softwares and and even a lot of these students now are using these softwares much more heavily than in the past like i I never used Keyshot. Did you ever use Keyshot? No. 
most tech products, a lot of beauty products that you see like promotional posters are directed content for those are renders. Like a lot of people think they're photographs, right? but they're really just very high quality renderings. I mean, all of Apple's products that they show in a lot of different formats, not necessarily all, but a lot of them are just renders. I mean, definitely Apple's products are renders. And then there's, there's some like lifestyle photography in there, but when it comes to just a pure product, like what, what's the value of photography over a render? And is there, maybe there's not a, maybe it's not a either or question. Maybe it's like just a scenario type of question. I don't know yeah. what you guys think. Well, the thing you really can't get from a render is the human interaction or like people actually using the product or mm. living with the product. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that also rendering, having a knowledge of photography would make your rendering a million times better because you have to know studio lighting. You have to know, you know, the concepts of two light, three light systems or just generally like knowing how things are reflective, how to light something and how to get like cast a shadow. It's 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 all part of the same system. I mean, I feel like when I was in school, I was using all of my photo background while rendering as well. Mm. And that's also why I was super attracted to rendering in general is because like oh i can just do it on the computer i don't have to do anything it's sick <laughs> you don't have to put the pole yeah. Yeah, yeah well and bong and olufsen is a really good example of a tech company they make speakers and earphones that tends to go towards photography more than rendering mm. and what they focus on a lot with their headphones especially is not the the product itself or like the beauty of the product I and mean, they do show that but they really focus on the lifestyle of the people who are using them. Right. And it's all, it's all model photography. Yeah. I see one of the things that I see that might be a trend that is, you know, is around right now, or maybe it's on its way out. I'm not sure, but just like the trend of, of, uh, like the product with a bunch of seemingly random stuff around it. Styling. <laughs> so that that's called styling. Yeah. Is it? It's called I don't know. You guys it's called design. Screen. It's called design. But uh but when I see that kind of stuff, I'm trying to think of like the person who's who's determining like what goes into the shot. And I mean, you when we did the shot photo shoot for my bottle opener, um, McKay, you brought a lot of props and the things and i am curious like how how does one how does one choose the right prop and is it just experimentation <laughs> or is it again like that whole how do we reflect the qualities yeah. of the product i think it depends on the situation like if you work yeah. for a company it might be hey like we have this on the calendar we got to shoot something right and it's someone low on the totem pole having to do the photography and they look around, they see what they have, they make it work. <laughs> no one will give them any money for a budget. So they just make it work. And that's, I think we see so much photography now that that's kind of just a reflection of like, you know, what are the chances that there's going to be good photography or styling? It's, mm. it's just, yeah. you're just seeing more. So you're going to see more bad stuff too. And there's, that's in there. <laughs> I mean, Is, that's how I do it. What if you go <laughs> to the dollar store, go to the dollar store and then you buy a bunch of like, okay, Nick, you, <laughs> you could do that. Um. Is, <laughs> Is there um is there maybe an example of some art direction or something right now that you guys are like really inspired by photography like I mean you post uh, Sean you post like a lot of you shout out a lot of photographers like in your stories and mm -hmm. things but I'm wondering if there's like not a campaign right now Actually, for products speaking of that the holiday campaign for this uh product this um uh 
small shop in Manhattan called Coming Soon. They just did an Edward Scissorhands uh, themed Ooh. holiday catalog. And it's <laughs> they made a bunch of small mock-ups of like the Edward Scissorhand town with the objects that they sell, but yeah. also like lifestyle photography in a larger sense and styling it around making it look like that. And it's hilarious and perfect and like super cute and it works really well. Um, Wait, what products do these guys sell? It's, just uh, like- it's a shop. It's like a homeware shop. Okay. And uh, yeah, put that on the interesting minor details site and people will take a gander. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can post some photos of it. What about you, McKay? Is there anything recently where you're like, wow, that's that's an awesome campaign? Or Lately, I've been really inspired by the photography style of Apartamento magazine. And it's uh, what they do for a lot of the magazine is they go into the homes of designers or artists and things, and they just kind of interview them and take pictures of their space and how they live. And it's very much, it's a little bit like that high flash kind of aesthetic where they're trying to, some of it's high flash, some of it's just very natural lighting, but it's all trying to capture these these spaces as they really are rather than as like some idealized version of where these these famous celebrities live. Interesting. Is there a rule to like flash versus no flash or like soft no. light versus it's just how you, it's just more of a emotional thing? Yeah. It's almost like I almost think of it as like playing music or something. It's just you kind of feel it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can always change it on the fly, right? Yep. If you want a hard flash or a, a soft flash. Are there any mistakes that you see people making when they're photographing their own work? Especially maybe designers like us, yeah. like industrial designers. Um, things that they could do to just like tweak it slightly that would elevate it. I mean, a lot of it is in the post-production, the, the editing, the retouching, mm. like just knowing your way around camera raw or Lightroom or whatever you're using to edit Photoshop. I don't, I don't know what raw files do at all. <laughs> <laughs> I always see them, but I'm like, I hey, give me a JPEG. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just like experimenting and seeing what the different sliders do and, and knowing like, how to get a certain look and being comfortable with that. Uh, a lot of people just kind of take a lamp, put it on something, bam, there's no color correction. <laughs> there's no thought about like needing to retouch out something, yeah. like mm-hmm. taking away. Um, yeah. yeah. I Please know. stop looking at my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what are those details that we need to start doing? Cause me personally, I, I try to, do some of those things like i know i always try to make i never i guess there's a thing where if you don't want to blow out a photo right mm-hmm. which means have a pure white spot right is that right. correct i don't know the right terminology a highlight, a highlight. Mm-hmm. like if i took a simple object on a white piece of paper background i wouldn't want to make the paper pure white i would make i want to make it like five percent gray is that right. correct yep okay good i got that right <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I also do a little bit of like clone tool. If, mm-hmm. it, if I see like a, a piece of dirt on a photo or something like that, or like, even if it's on the paper itself, Nick just wants reassurance. I, yeah. I, <laughs> am I doing it? Am okay. I, doing this right? I literally have never watched any tutorials or anything. I'm just like, maybe I mean, I definitely this. see a lot of portfolios and things where there's like dust on the surface they're photographing on or like smudges or scratch. Like they didn't take the time to either clean the object or clean the surface beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it really shows and distracts from what you're the story you're trying to tell. Unless the story you're trying to tell is of a cleaning object, like a yeah. duster or... Yeah. Well, then it's not doing its job correctly. <laughs> <Take> it, <James. laughs> before, okay? It's before. 
I don't know. I mean, like, you can buy photo equipment for so cheap on Amazon nowadays. You can buy what? Photo equipment. Photo equipment. Okay. Lighting. <laughs> what did you hear? <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't hear what you said. You just wanted to make sure. I just want to know what you heard in your head. <laughs> All I heard was photo. Uh, and okay, I was like, never mind. Sean, continue. Anyways. Sorry. <laughs> you can make high quality images pretty easily nowadays. Um, you can build like a studio set up in your apartment, in your dorm. You can buy a single light. You can put a, like a white piece of paper and a sweep next to a window, have great window light. Mm. You know, there's... That's a good just just use your head to think about when you look at an image, where's the light coming from? How do you replicate that? Just think about look around. What do you see? And how can I replicate that? I got a I got a hot tip. You got for this hot tip. There's there's too much hotness coming out of (laughs) lots of (laughs) steaming. I uh, when I was in school, I I was too cheap to buy like proper photo seamless. So I just went to the plotter machine and and just pull out a bunch of plotter paper. You were yeah. that guy. And I was that guy. And I also, I also, this is this is bad. I shouldn't admit this. If I wanted, if I wanted a colored background, I would just print out like three feet of like the color blue oh. off the plotter, like just blue ink on the you plotter. You were that fucking guy. Yeah, I was that guy. That's what your tuition was for, anyways, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. We had to buy our own plotter paper. Oh man. Um, Eek. Yeah, I think probably the biggest. One of the biggest mistakes I see in product lighting, by especially by students or just people who are doing their own and they aren't necessarily photographers, is just bad lighting in general mm. or not enough light that causes blurry photos or grainy photos. Mm. And so I think if you really invest your time in one photography skill, it'd be learning how to create proper lighting setups. And, and actually just be consistent too. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. I feel like whenever I try to take photos, it's always really like weird and like some photos are really yellow and some are blue mm. and like I, I guess there's a setting in there that you have to, do you get you guys have yep. cameras too right yeah but yep. yes so james and i don't have cameras we have phones <laughs> <laughs> this is like this 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 table is so divided right now we got you guys over here um photographers and non but that's all also learning in the in the post-production and the retouching you know yeah. you mm-hmm. can correct all that stuff it just takes about 15 minutes to learn and you're set for life well, 15 minutes well, less than that, that for correcting, correcting this, temperature, this color temperature. Sean learned everything he knows about photography in, in 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> Just a quick little YouTube that, tutorial. I think I saw that VHS at Blockbuster. Yeah. Sean Davidson teaches photography. But uh, no, I mean, I, I wonder, like, you guys, did you guys learn how to do product photography or art direction from anybody? Or was this all just being resourceful mm-hmm. being like, resourceful just looking at other people's work still learning but oh yeah, yeah. For sure. we're all still learning everything <laughs> yeah. um yeah just definitely learning on the fly as necessary yeah i mean i i also went to school for i got a minor in, in studio photography so that oh, was very that. helpful yeah oh, um cool. a 15 minute long minor <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure i just sat at a at a youtube screen and it just taught me right there oh wow, oh, wow. No, but I mean, pre before that, I you know just Google. If you don't know something, Google it. Yeah. And if you want to know, reach out to someone. Reach out to me. Ask, and I might be able to give you a download. And oh, we're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of messages now. That's time. fine. Lots. I hear Bing is also good. Bing is pretty good. Bing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> There's no binging in this in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> um, one of the other things that I think 
students should really start paying attention to. And this is kind of something that I really learned from sketching is actually as you're lighting a scene or an object or photographing it, think about what the light is, how the light is changing the appearance of the object, where the light lines are falling and how that's going to affect your overall composition. Mm. Because obviously like the form of the product is nothing without the light that's shining on it. And if you change the light setup, it's going to change how the object looks. Mm. That's, that's super important. I never even connected those two. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's definitely something that most people overlook and that you don't really think about unless you've been taught to think about that. Yeah. I mean, and even it kind of goes into the whole co- thing of composition. Like, yeah. how do you frame? Do you guys, when you shoot a product, do you think about the composition while you're taking the photo or do you crop it later? Both. Okay. I would say. I mean, you always want to get in the ballpark, but you can always crop later and you can make, I've resurrected images deep, deep, deep from the depths of death. <laughs> okay. And you know, you can, I don't, yeah, it's, it's both it cropping definitely on the side of more of the image in frame than less. Okay. Mm. That's a good tip. That's interesting. Cause you can always crop it down, but not bigger. Right. Well, you could, if you just do content aware, Phil, yeah. I've done that before. Hell you know. yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some tips and tricks like that um no this is great guys i uh i don't know is there anything like to like just like any key takeaways especially for the people that just have a phone like james and i like yeah what is that one key thing that like if we want to take maybe even for instagram Mm -hmm. a lot of us want to take a nice process photo Mm -hmm. doesn't even have to be a final product photo like how do you take a good just in progress photo, you're in the studio, you're making something, take a, take five seconds. How do we set up a nice photo? Oh God. In five seconds. I think it also, it, it completely depends on you and what you th- think makes a good photograph. Okay. Because just keep experimenting, like find something, find a composition that you like, replicate it and then play around with lighting. Don't try to do it all at once. Mm. It's, it's, you're never just going to, get it you know it's, right. it's it's over time you're learning over time it's changing so but i would say just like think about lighting it's probably the most important thing um yeah yeah as far as like quick on the fly photos definitely the lighting situation is going to make the most impact of if this looks good or not but then I, I would say second most important is the composition what are you revealing what are you saying what are you telling with what you decide to put in this frame mm, okay so lighting first and then composition. I also, here's another thing that I've done. I, I, have always, I always do the janky ways of taking photos. <laughs> like sometimes if I don't have the lighting right or if it's like too dark on one side, you get a piece of paper and you put it on the other side of the product yep. so you get a little bounce light effect. And you kind of light up the darkness mm-hmm. and, it, and you see more of those details, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's also another um, concept or not a concept but a, but a thing that occurs every day. There is the golden hour. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> is that a good time to take photos? The golden hour. I mean, that's it. Well, does the golden hour happen twice a day, or is it just once? Twice a day. Okay, so morning it's it's like night. morning, yeah, morning and evening, mm-hmm. and it just like gives you that beautiful, like dramatic light, mm-hmm. not that harsh, just like overhead light. Um, but I know that that's so kids when... wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's when we 
you you came over for the bottle opener shoot, McKay, and we did the shots just with like golden hour lighting, and it was mm-hmm. just direct. I don't. We might have bounced the light a little bit, yeah, but that we just used the natural light for that photo shoot. Yeah, I mean, golden hour is kind of when the sun is about to set or about to ri- or after it's just risen. Yeah, and so it's kind of like this light coming from way to the straight to the side, and so it casts these like really beautiful shadows, lots of rich light. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Well, this is this is going to sound cheesy, but <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to stare at the sun except for there's that one there's the two times a day where it's just it's gorgeous. It's beautiful and you can just look at it for as long as you no, can. I don't think that's how, we're not we're not promoting that. Don't look at the sun, please. Just stare at it. No, all of our this listeners are going to be blind. So why James and Sean wear glasses? They stare at the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Twice Sandwich a day. When we were babies. <laughs> just look at that thing up there. Twice a day at golden hour. <laughs> oh man. But uh, no, I think I, I think that and oh God, I had another another point about that. But I know that a lot of commercial shoots like will do golden hour shoots for sure oh, for specifically for that light. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but oh yeah, the other thing. Oh gosh, the other thing that I was going to talk about was um, oh no, I've forgotten. That's okay. Yeah, keep going. I think maybe one thing that I I just wanted to touch on or maybe just wrap up, but I kind of just want to hear more about your guys' personal projects or just personal lives. I mean, art direction stuff is amazing, and I, I think there's a lot of great tips in there, and I think it is really helpful, but I know we have quite a few listeners that are also fans of you guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've been asking <laughs> for you guys to come on the pod. So I don't know. Are you guys working on anything interesting? Like, what's in the books for you guys? At the moment, I've just wrapped up that that project with gantry and as well as kind of a small promotional project with google where i got to do some spatial design concepts and right now just kind of wrapping up getting ready for christmas seeing what's next it is holidays yeah it is winding down time yeah (laughs) uh working on a few personal projects ever since i started this new job we'll see how long they take to come to fruition but uh just finished um shooting a year-long project give or take kind of turned into this but uh been really interested in construction around new york oh that's um, right yeah so i just f- called it quits on this project and i've <laughs> just gone through and selected through about 1500 photos of selections and i'm gonna 1500. work 1500 yeah over a year but that's a it's a pretty tight collection of shooting over my lunch break one hour a day that's pretty a much uh or not even that maybe 10 minutes a day um but I'm going to be working with uh, some friends to create a book um, on those images as well as some writing around just the subject of like construction, workwear um, in New York City. Is workwear hype now? It has been for many, many years. And that's kind of why I started this project. Is the original hype. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually kind of wanted to to pick your brains about something because I feel like you guys are much more fashionable than than Nick and I. Correct. I don't want to speak for Nick, but oh, look for at sh- him. come on, let's. let's <laughs> it's 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 obvious. Um, but I do feel like this is this is something that I've thought about a lot. Is just like this idea of not only how you present your work, but how you present yourself, and mm. how like you know we all have this like this vision of how we might like to be be perceived by people, and I feel like you guys 
do a lot in terms of like just like making yourself a self-styling yeah self-styling basically (laughs) and i feel like that's something that maybe other people would just like scoff at like the idea of like styling like, like yourself like but I, I but every time i see sean i'm like damn yeah same <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like you know what what is that what is that process like of the self-styling like how much <laughs> shopping are you doing sean i want to know oh uh, uh buying very little shopping okay. all the time yeah you know <laughs> i don't know it's like Style is such a difficult thing. I mean, does that come from the same interest as art direction? Like, I mean, I've like I feel like I've been interested. I was started skateboarding when I was like seven years old. Yeah. Skateboarding culture style is everything. Yeah. So I think I've just always been interested in it, and it's kind of like it's not second nature. It's something you work at. I mean, it takes a lot of time, but right. you just like photography, just like design, you have processes. You know what works well on you, mm. and you know you like but you also can be researching and looking online seeing what other people are wearing and Mm -hmm. being like oh i like that piece that kind of goes i can take that color palette and i know that i have these clothes that kind of fit that yeah and it just takes time just like i don't know experiment (laughs) life's life's a big experiment well and also like no matter how much people say they don't care what you wear or anything like that like no matter what you do what you what you wear is going to say something about you right and so you always want to make sure that you're sending the message that you want to be sending. Yeah. Whether that's that's formal or business or whatever. Um, as designers, I feel like we kind of have unique opportunities to dress ourselves in a much more... We have a much more freedom in how we dress ourselves. Because sure. we're not constrained to wearing a suit or like a uniform. Yeah. Um, I had a big argument with my... Uh my dad about that over a family <laughs> family trip oh yeah thanksgiving you know <laughs> not even thanksgiving it was like a summer beach holiday and uh my dad's older and he has a, a view that in the office you know, like how you present yourself mm. is like your overlords see you in a different way and if you wear a suit and you wear you know a tie you look like a certain way but as a creative it's it's all about being independent right it's oh, all about like having a certain viewpoint on the world and like how you dress yourself you hear that dad yeah did you drop <laughs> a, that dad. drop an okay boomer north, on north, north carolina dad yeah <laughs> those southern dads i mean i don't know you know yeah but, you, gotta, you gotta love them though yeah I, I do find that without fail some of the most like stylish designers that i know also their work is also immaculately styled mm, mm. yes so i feel like there's there's some sort of link between those two yeah you know well, and for me personally, like the clothes I buy or that I'm interested in are definitely comes from my interest in design and craftsmanship. Mm. And so I'll, I'll spend hours researching clothing, like construction methods for shoes or shirts or jeans or whatever. And I buy, I buy the clothes that I'm interested in the way they're made or like the story behind them. Mm, like me and great. Sean both buy lots of shirts from this company called Boot Boys. Don't put them out on the internet. Come on. <laughs> oh, no. Don't blow up our spot. Don't blow up our spot. No, it's okay. Not called Boot Boys. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but um, what they do is they, they dig into historical archives and find interesting stories and then turn those into T-shirts, like limited editions of T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And objects. And objects. And, mm-hmm. yeah, they use T-shirts and clothing and objects as a medium of telling very interesting historical stories. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's sweet. Uh, there's, there's one, you know, there's one question that we always like to ask the guests at the end, which is like, what, 
what are you excited about in like the broader scheme of just, I mean, maybe your life, but just like of the design world mm. and the future of design. Is there anything you're excited about? McKay? Well, lately I've been really interested in kind of this flat ground. Some people are calling it like the big flat now mm. of this era that we live in where everything's connected and we have infinite access to information and styles and trends and things like that. And the way that it's starting to create kind of this flatness across the whole creative universe mm. of what, what is being produced homogeny. One might say, <laughs> <laughs> but also like within this interconnectedness, we're almost starting to go backwards in a, in a sense and form tribes because mm. we can now find so much easier the people that we really connect with and really want to want to be connected with and we we form these tribes like kind of how we have here in new york with all of the industrial designers know each other support each other yeah and so in a way this kind of globalization has also created a a village-like culture yeah that's interesting that's cool huh. yeah generally i'm interested in independent designers and the future of that like taking power away from the larger corporations and like them having say over trends and styles and mm. especially there's just so many young kids nowadays that are working with each other there's like bands like brockhampton or like mm. creative crews out in la that are like creating graphics around music and around and objects around certain ideas and just like just seeing where the internet takes us, I think I'm generally interested in that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that links up to McKay's thing. Yeah. Just everything's connected now. I, I feel like there's a lot of cases of uh, current musicians and pop stars that feel like it's literally all of internet culture in yeah, one person. For sure. Like a, like a Post Malone or Billie Eilish or yeah. like just, I, I mean, most most pop stars right now, they just they just feel like, oh my gosh, this is all of meme culture for sure <laughs> embedded in one person I yeah because it's how you sell an idea i mean it's right. like a, a german idea that's super simple and you can sell it to an entire culture yeah or to an entire nation or world yeah one part of the ideology behind this this theory of the big flat now is that everything that's being produced creatively is the same there's no longer art there's no longer design there's no longer marketing mm. it's all just content mm. and so I mean, like, like literally when I did this, this job for Google, I was designing furniture and like doing some spatial design for them as a means of marketing on social media. Mm. Yeah. It never got made. It was just purely for yeah. the content. It was just to spread an idea. It's for all sure. about just spreading information and ideas. I mean, obviously I think we're all kind of in the same, in the same. <laughs> McKay brought his dog. <laughs> he, he's snoring. He's snoring in the background. Um, uh, I think it's kind of all where we are right now like we all are this podcast in itself is a spread of ideas I and mean, it's almost like we're not it's not like the product is a physical thing anymore it's more about the story about the product and i guess that kind of ties back into the art direction stuff but yeah guys thank you so much yeah for being on the Thanks podcast for having us. Thank you. we want to uh promote you guys obviously i, I don't know if you want That's to put a new title what's your what no, not, not promote you. I, we, I don't have any money to give you. Sorry. Uh, you are now senior podcast guest. Senior podcast. Senior podcastist. Um, where can people find you? Where can people message you? I am on Instagram. Um, 
at mckay.nilson and my website is mckaynilson.design and i'm on instagram at sean davidson and also on arena at sean davidson okay nice with two n's or one n both are one n okay. both are one n sweet yeah. sweet sweet sean david we'll, we'll link them in the description and stuff but uh thanks again guys for coming on the podcast we really enjoyed it and to the listeners out there you know connect with us hop on the discord chat chat let us know what you guys think about this podcast um and yeah as always i'm at nick p baker and i'm at i draw receipts peace out later see ya